I've written poetry my whole life to comprehend all the bad crap that I had to go through. Maybe if I combine those feelings with this guitar, something cool will happen. And it's kind of just been like a trial and error thing ever since. And like, we took a trip to uh, Nashville to play as a band. And when I crossed the border, I was like, oh shoot, I feel like I'm supposed to live here. And it didn't make any sense. Cause like, I feel like I was the seven year old hairbrush singer that was like, I want to be a singer when I grow up. And I like love performing, but that was it. I mean, I didn't think it was for real. You know, I was just like a seven year old dreamer. And I don't know, I think as I get older, I realize that there's a lot to be said for things that bring you like the utmost passion in life and things that are just like worth chasing. Hi everyone, thank you and welcome back to Life's Tea Time. I'm your host, Sam Schupenecker. In this podcast, I'm chatting with people I meet on the journey competing in amateur golf. And today, that brings me to my guest, who is Sarah Faith, a musician based in Nashville. I wanted to have Sarah on the podcast because after randomly getting paired with her in a golf tournament, I got hooked on her music and all of the work, the creativity that she's putting out in the world. In the podcast, we talk about the role that golf plays in Sarah's life, as well as her journey through music, her creative process, and what it's like putting work out there and doing it in your own way. I hope you enjoy it. Sarah, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast and have a conversation with you. We met on the golf course. Amazing. A pretty pretty dang nice one, to be honest. A pretty dang nice one. Yeah. The the cradle at Pinehurst. That was what? The 2020 uh, Uh, PGA? Yes, I think it would have been 2020. Yeah. The club championship thing. The shindig of all shindigs. Yeah. So I invited you on the podcast just because... I mean, it happened that we met on the golf course and I think we like took a picture together or something and you were like, oh, follow me on Instagram. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Should I follow her on Instagram? It's kind of a whack. And then I did. I'm just so blown away with everything that you're doing and uh, I look up to you in I a lot appreciate of ways. That. You're so um, sweet. Thank you so much for that. Like I look up to you golf wise and you can look up to me for whatever other reasons you look up to me. Yeah, I I think I'll just start with golf. When did you start playing golf and, and who influenced you? Oh, well, that's that credit goes completely to my father. I started when I was nine. And like when I was a kid, like <laughs> I'm also a soccer player. And like my mom's side of the family is like very potentially rageful. So like if you mix like contact sport and rage, like it's just a bad gun. Then you say like, okay, let's try golf. At the beginning, I did not know how to turn the rage off. And I'm being totally honest. But my dad was like, listen, if you want to spend any amount of time on a golf course, especially with me, and you act like that, like, I will leave you at home. I'm not dealing with like your crap. So I had to like figure out how to like get right real quick. Um, And I just I don't know, I've been playing like, not that seriously, I would say all my life, because I was way more into soccer. But 
now that I'm older and my knees hurt more, like I wish I would have golfed more. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. I was a hockey player, actually. So. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So, so cool. I had a lot of rage as well. <laughs> yes. I mean, and like, I never, I got away with most of the things that I was enraged about. So it didn't make a difference. <laughs> did you take soccer seriously? I did. I played in college. Um, I played, I played soccer since I was seven. I had a cousin that was a little bit younger than me, but he was a dude. And we used to play soccer together and I got beat the crap out of by him and had to learn real quick how to get fast. I was either going to get big or I was going to get fast. And like getting big is not really under my control. Like I'm only as big as I am and I'm not big. So I had to get fast. But yeah, I, I played soccer in college. And then even when I graduated, I was playing like five nights a week because I just couldn't give it up. Just in like a bunch of different teams, like a bunch of co-ed teams, like just doing everything. But I don't really play that much anymore. <laughs> nice. I love that. Did you still um, play hockey? No, mostly because my body hates me. Yeah, uh, mine too. I'm just like, ugh. What role does golf play in your life right now? Or what made you sign up for that that uh, national club championship to begin with? Well, that tournament, like I said, I was playing a lot of golf during COVID. Um, and at the time, I was actually married. And my ex-husband was an aspiring pro golfer. So that came with benefits and also not benefits. We spent a lot of time on golf courses. I mean, like, I think we maybe took one vacation where the clubs weren't with us, which is also has benefits, but not benefits. (laughs) It was a very golf focused kind of environment that we had. So I was, you know, thankful for that in a lot of ways. Cause like I said, I got a lot better, a lot faster. I turned myself from probably a, 15 or 16 handicap into a sub 10 pretty quick. And then when I won my club championship, I was the only female playing in the, I was playing in the dude's flight. Like I wasn't playing in the female's flight. I was playing in the, in the guy's flight, which, you know, I was the female in the field, but I was more competing against like people that were a lot better than me. So then when the opportunity came to go play at Pinehurst, I was like, I don't know I don't know if I'll ever be able to play here again because I don't know if I can afford the damn thing, you know, like crap. And I got it. I mean, the tournament, like because we were in the tournament, like we got our rounds for a steal. Like I feel like they just like lost money on us, which is fine. I want the divots to prove it too. It's fine. It's all good. Yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of um, one of those things that I felt like was a once in a lifetime thing and the timing was right. And he really wanted to play there too. So he actually ended up coming along with me and he played with one of our other friends. Um, And I just, I don't know, it was a a cool opportunity to take a cool trip to do something that he was super interested in that I have all my life been pretty interested in. Um, It just seemed like, seemed like the right thing to do, you know? But now, you know, to answer your second part of the question, like now, um, like tonight I'm in a, like a winter, like golf simulator league. So I'm playing tonight on our friend's simulator and it's cool. I mean, like, it's just like a recreational thing now, which I'm super thankful for. I have since obviously been divorced and I'm in a totally different situation now where like, I mean, I can just, and I, I throw no shade when I say this, but it's kind of nice for golf to just be fun again and not be so serious all the time and not be like this competitive like you know like we're talking about like this competitive thing where you always have to play your best and I'm you know pissed off when I get a bogey I'm just like okay well I guess I'll go on to the next hole you know 
so it's a little bit contrasting like from when we played that tournament to now but you know I still really love the game yeah yeah I want to switch to your music career because that's just following you has been really amazing and I I feel like my first love was actually music. Is oh my like, gosh! Do I used play? to. You're saying it like, what do you do? I played the guitar when I, I was younger, that. and I loved singing. I I was a really shy kid. Yeah, like barely spoke to anyone, but I would sing all the time. I was in chorus and all the things. Yeah, but I don't know. It <laughs> it never really turned into what anything. What made you give it up though? Like, what do you still play for joy or no? Uh. Every once in a while, I come back to the guitar. I don't yeah. like sing that much. Anymore. Do you like shred? Like, are you an acoustic guitar mm-hmm. player or an electric player? Uh, a little bit of both, actually. Okay, I love that. Yeah, um, probably more acoustic. Okay. I tried out for an acapella group, and uh, they, I did not make it, and I feel like my <laughs> singing <laughs> dreams ended right there. So it's that that happened to me actually. Like, I don't know, probably <laughs> ten years ago, I auditioned for. My church, like the the church band, mm-hmm. and you would think that they would find I would play the triangle. Like you'd think they could find someplace for me, and they said no. And I will agree with you. It has a way of like scarring you. For, like I'm scarred for life. Now, if I sit in church, I'm like, oh, it'd be really cool to like be up there, but like I'd probably get rejected, so I'm not gonna go. <laughs> now I feel a little less bad, but yeah, it was really embarrassing. Actually, <laughs> I feel like they were like, sing this now, and I'm like. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Um, but anyway like how how did your interest in music start uh probably in the backseat of my mom's crown victoria when i was three years old um i was probably singing stuff before i could talk and i remember like such a weird memory it like comes and goes like there was this time when i sang this mariah carey song and with my dad in the car and I, like, was so pumped that I had sang the song from front to back. Like, I was like, Dad, did you see that? Like, I sang the whole song by memory, by myself. And he was like, yeah, like, okay. And I, just like, you know, like you, I was in choir and, like, like my dad got custody of me, which that's a whole other story. But, like, once he got custody of me, I felt like I was able to, like, do things that I really wanted to do. And I don't know if it was because the opportunities existed or because I felt happier, or because I was more free, or for whatever reason, like I started getting involved in soccer and in golf and choir and all this stuff. And then my dad bought me a guitar when I was 13. So I don't know, it kind of like entered itself into my life to a point. And then it was kind of up to me whether I was going to keep doing it or not. And I mean, I was in choir all through high school, all through college. I did a bunch of random stuff with choir and had some really cool shit happen. I don't know, I just felt really lucky to sing at the high school that I sang at because our director was like, she was the real deal. And she, her whole life is choral directing. I mean, it's insane, but yeah, no. And then, so I was actually doing nothing related to music at all. I was like running a photography company for five years. And, and then I was like singing karaoke randomly because I don't know if you know this about singing, but when you can sort of sing, and you have friends that can't sing, like if they if they do the thing where they sound like like dying cats or whatever. And if they find out that you can kind of sing, now you're the monkey. Now it's like, we're going to karaoke and we're not singing, but you are. And it's like, guys, <laughs> I'm not 
not your circus monkey. Like, can we stop? But anyway, I went and I sang a song and there was this lady in the back and she was like, hey, like, you're super good. And my friend's looking for a backup singer. And would you be interested in joining a band? I was like, that's really random, but okay. And long story short, now I'm in Nashville and I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, full time. Not to imply that I make a lot of money doing it, but I do not have a side hustle because I don't want to. <laughs> and that's how I am where I'm today. <laughs> Broken happy. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if I was ever good at singing, so I definitely didn't have the experience, but I did enjoy it. Is singing something that like is a skill that you can learn or are people born with that type of thing? I will say maybe. I've, I don't know if I've ever really been able to take a side on that because to a point, I think there's a science behind getting voice lessons and like learning how to use your voice different ways. But like, then there's people that are just tone deaf and like can't carry a tune in a bucket. And you're just like, I don't know if I can teach pitch. I don't know if you can grasp it if you don't hear it, but I don't know how that works. I don't know if your ears can eventually get pounded enough pitch into them to where you like figure it out or not. So I, I'll say maybe. Yeah. I'm, I was curious. I, what do you think? I, re- I don't know, but I remember being youngish and one of my friends started taking singing lessons and I remember being really jealous of her that she got singing lessons and I did it. And yes. I was like, oh, maybe I could be a really <laughs> good singer if I had singing If only lessons. I got some dang lessons. <laughs> but I, I will say I did have – the reason why I stopped playing guitar is I took guitar lessons for a really long time. And my brother – one of my brothers was a drummer. But then he picked up guitar and he was better at guitar than me in like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so my boyfriend right now, sometimes we jam together. He has, that's his bass right there sitting behind me. His guitar is hanging on the wall. He's played guitar his whole life. We go to Nashville. He carries my guitar for me. People come up and they're like, hey, what band are you in? I know you play. And I'm like, Hello, I'm the one who's playing. He's carrying my guitar. This is bullshit, and you know it. Like, <laughs> and like, he's like, Sarah, do you want to jam? I'm like, no, because I'm over here sucking, and you don't suck. So whenever I jam with you, I feel like I suck because you can play without thinking, and I have to think. So no, let's go watch TV instead. <laughs> feel your pain. So when was there a specific moment when you thought that there was? something within you that like some sort of gift towards music I still don't know if I and I don't mean this to sound self-deprecating because my new year's resolution is to talk nicer to myself I don't know that I really consider it a gift I guess I mean I feel blessed to be able to do these things like play the guitar and sing and write music and stuff. I'm also just a really harsh self-critic, so that's probably why I have a hard time considering it a gift. However, I will say, I was in that band that I was talking about, and he writes his own stuff and whatever, and I was like, oh, I've written poetry my whole life to comprehend all the bad crap that I had to go through. Maybe if I combine those feelings with this guitar, 
something cool will happen. And it's kind of just been like a trial and error thing ever since. And like, we took a trip to uh, Nashville to play as a band. And when I crossed the border, I was like, oh shoot, I feel like I'm supposed to live here. And it didn't make any sense. Cause like, I feel like I was the seven year old hairbrush singer that was like, I want to be a singer when I grow up. And I like love performing, but that was it. I mean, I didn't think it was for real. You know, I was just like a seven year old dreamer. And I don't know. I think as I get older, I realize that there's a lot to be said for things that bring you like the utmost passion in life and things that are just like worth chasing. And like the fact that like, we're all going to die. And like, if I, if I don't try this, whether I'm gifted at it or not, (laughs) it brings me so much joy. And if I don't give it the best college try that I know how to muster, like, I'll just feel like a doofus sitting on my deathbed. Like, why didn't I try that? Maybe I did suck at it, but maybe I didn't. And I would never know if I didn't try. See, that's one of the things that connects me with you, I think, Sarah, is um, (laughs) I love that perspective that you have. Where do you think that comes from? Well, I think if you would have asked me this five years ago, I probably, well, I didn't have this mindset five years ago. I've been in non-therapy probably my whole life and I felt like that offered me a lot of relief and, you know, uh, from whatever, I think everyone should be in therapy. So like, it doesn't matter like the reasons I'm in therapy, like I just, I was just in it and it was helpful and whatever. But like I started doing mindset work, um, with Christina actually. And it like changed my whole life. It changed my whole perspective. And I like stood in a room of a hundred people as she was standing on the stage being like, whatever you want out of your life, like you can decide to go get it. And I like stood up and I was like, wait a second, because I have the, the mentality with music of like the people that you see on American Idol that like show up and they're in their freaking like big bird outfit and they cannot sing. So I think there's part of me that still has like this thing of like, what if I'm the guy in the big bird suit in American Idol that like thinks he can sing, but can't, you know, I just feel like having that experience of standing in front of all those people and like asking those questions, I kind of realized that like by asking those questions, I have the possibility of a different perspective. And then I just got really curious about how perspective affects your action And then like how your character differs when you have a different perspective and like who I show up as when I'm believing that there's a chance in hell that I can make this work is a totally different person that I show up as when I'm under a rock thinking, oh, nothing good's ever going to happen to me, you know? So I think it's just a lot about like believing that your perspective is a lot to do with like whatever you're doing. Absolutely. I think anyway. Yeah. No, I love that. I, you stunned me a little. I don't know where to go with that one. Um, I'm curious. I feel like there's there's obviously the playing of music and the singing, and then there's the writing and creating yeah. music. And you do. I'm I'm correct in saying that you do both, right? Yeah, all of yeah. From, yes. from what I've seen, was there a shift when you went? Correct me if I'm wrong anywhere, but I'm assuming you like started playing and like imitating and then switched to creating. 
I'll say that I started playing and doing covers by default because that's mm-hmm. the band I was in. But I realized really quickly that if I was going to do music at all, I wanted to do it my own way. You can ask my dad how annoying that trait is that I seem to have carried around my whole life. Because he probably has a lot of insight on how annoying it is to have someone so hellbent on always doing it their own way. Because this is not a unicorn experience. I've been that way my whole life. <laughs> it's probably really, probably really annoying. But I just, like, if I play a live show, obviously I know that I, I, first of all, I don't think I have enough songs that I care to play in front of people that would last two hours. So I have to play some of other people's stuff. But it was a pretty fast transition between playing other people's stuff and playing my own. And being a really harsh self-critic, that was an interesting experience because there was part of me that was like, well, if I want to play my own stuff, my own stuff can't suck. But then there was another part of me that was like, but all your stuff does suck. Like it truly does. (laughs) You just started this, you're putting feelings out there and that's great, but like, it sucks, Sarah. Like, come on, try harder. So it's just kind of a baptism by fire kind of thing where I think I just have always also felt like there's just a lot of purpose in it for me of like sharing the things that I've been through, like with my mom and her addiction and all that stuff that I went through as a kid. And then like with my divorce, now it's like a totally new kind of purpose that I feel like I'm serving here. But it's always been about that. And obviously comparison does kind of strike every once in a while, but I just have to keep bringing myself back to like, I started doing this because I wanted to do it my own way which means I'm naturally going to be different than just about everybody else out there. So comparing myself to them doesn't do me any good. And whether my stuff sucks or not, it's what I feel like my purpose is. So I just, I don't know. I kind of keep pounding the pavement. Yeah. Music seems really interesting because there are so many different pieces from the outside. Sorry if I sound naive. You're spot on. From the outside, you know, you have – like writing lyrics and then instrument different instruments you need to put more than one together maybe not all usually not all the time usually yes and there's some sort of technology involved to put it all together and each piece of that is a skill like i'm assuming the people who have hit records like have every single one of them nailed down or maybe they're doing one piece of it that they're really good at and they have other people filling in the rest. So I can see how the first thing you put together is not going to be great, no matter how much of an all-star you are. Right. And I'll say like, I feel like musicians kind of come in all shapes and varieties. Like there's people that are killer vocalists and can't play a lick of any instrument at all. There's people that play instruments and can't sing at all. There's people that can do both and then play nine instruments. And you're like, I freaking hate you. But God bless you. (laughs) If you have enough space in your brain for all that, good for you. I barely have enough room for a guitar and singing at the same time. But yeah, no, you're not wrong at all. And I don't think it's the case that to make good stuff, you've got to be good at all of it. But I will say that in my case, I do feel like I rely on myself maybe more than the average bear. I produce my own music. I play my own stuff. I write my own stuff. A lot of times the stuff that I write, I wrote by myself. So sometimes that makes me feel like I'm a control freak. But also I guess it's an opportunity to just really have the chance to shape whatever I want it to sound like. But also to your point, like 
I have to be willing to suck hard. Like I have to be willing, which sometimes is really hard for me because I'm a large perfectionist with everything, wherever that comes from, myriad of places, I assume. But you just have to be okay with sucking, I think. And and then maybe it gets better from there, hopefully, if you put the time in. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I think you're writing is so compelling i mean every song you put out at least since i've been following you is it just grabs my interest immediately can you talk a little bit about i know you put this out a lot on social media but talk about the change that you're trying to make with your music and the message that you're trying to send yeah um i think there's a lot of things that I'm trying to do as a musician, which is also a toxic trait because I'm one human and I, I probably can't do it all. But in a dream world, I want people to understand that we all go through like shit storms that we don't ask for and we don't understand where they came from. And we don't know how long they're going to last and whatever, but like there's ways to get through it and you're not doomed. And I think one of the biggest things that I had to learn in my life was that I wasn't doomed by like my family's choices. Whoever my mom decided to be and whatever my dad decides to be, I, I'm just not, I get to choose, you know, I get to choose like who I am and what I stand for. And, you know, I didn't really grow up in like a religious home by any means, but like I get to choose to go to church every week or not. I choose to, but like, I don't have to. You get to just all these choices that you have in life. And also I think, Recently with my divorce, like one of the biggest things that I wanted to teach myself, and I, I think that's also the case with a lot of things that I write, you know, I'm writing them for me, but also I'm assuming that I'm not the only one. So then by putting it out, maybe I just help someone's day get a little bit better or like help them see something from like just a little bit different of a perspective than maybe they did before through my divorce. It was really tempting because I always said, even from the day that I got married, I said, I'm not getting married to get divorced. So this is the one and this is the only thing that I'm going to do. And I'm going to work to make this work forever and ever. And like, if it doesn't, then I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll just be alone the rest of my life because I'm literally only going to get married one time. And then I got divorced. And I was like, shit, now what are we going to do? And it was really, really tempting to be like, that was the guy. And if that wasn't the guy, then I don't know what possibly could be. It must not exist. And like sit myself in my pity party, like by myself. So I wrote the song Loving Somebody Right because I decided that that was all ego talking as our ego often does. And my ego was telling me, oh, that was the worst of the worst and it can't get any better. Like your ego works in two ways. It works to tell you you're the best and it works to tell you you're the worst. And at that point, it was telling me that I was the worst. And I was like, you know what? I really wish those voices in my head would just shut up. So I wrote a song to my ego to tell myself that, like, no, like, I'm going to let love happen again. I'm going to let somebody in. And I didn't get married to get divorced in the beginning. But, like, that's what happened. So it's just about adapting, you know, I think. And and I, I think that we have enough bad news and enough like crappy things going on in this world. And like, I don't know, I think there's like 600 pieces to why I write music, but that's probably the biggest one. It's just to make people feel less alone and um, help to just say that like, there's a lot of shit in this world, but 
you don't have to take that on, you know? When you're sitting down to write something like that is uh, I'm picturing madness. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm curious. Tell me more. No, I'm picturing like you actually sitting down. And, I mean, cause I, I have a very active inner dialogue as well. And I feel like I have conversations with myself. Are you, are you like literally singing to yourself? What does that look like? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes I really am. Especially like uh, on my previous album, I released a song called I Can't. And that's what comes to mind when you ask that question. Like I wrote that song because I was really ticked off with some people that were just turning their back on me when I needed them the most. And I wrote the chorus and it was like, literally I, you know, these are some of my best friends or so I thought. And I wrote the chorus as another song, another message to myself. I can't prove myself to people. These people had known me for 10 years. And then they were like, nope, we decided that this is the limit. We can't be your friend anymore. And I was like, okay, cool. That sounds fabulous. I thought this was kind of a thick and thin thing, but I, I guess it was more of a thin thing. And I just, I just feel like there's a lot, something will hit me and rock me and be like devastating. And I, I write songs to kind of roll my sleeves up and figure out how I'm going to dig myself out of that hole. When you finally put it out there, what is that moment like? Terrifying. <laughs> Dude, it's like, it's like, I mean, I put out, I put out a Christmas song this past year and I'm not meaning to talk about all these stupid releases all the time. It just is kind of pertaining to the conversation, but I produced a, a version of a Christmas song this year and put it out and I didn't do it like in a formal way. Like there's supposed to be a plan and you're supposed to take photos and you're supposed to blah, 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 blah. Again, doing it my own way. I was like, I'm going to take this picture with my iPhone. Watch this. I'm going to release this on YouTube only. Watch this. But it's scary, man. I mean, like, especially that song is the first song that I've ever put out that I produced the whole thing. So I just felt really moved, I don't know, probably a year ago that I needed to make this myself. I was working with a kick-ass producer. I can say nothing bad about him at all, except for the fact that I just kept feeling pounded in my chest and in my brain, like, Sarah, you just have to make it yourself. And not for any other reason than just the satisfaction and the experience of falling on my face, getting back up. Well, I mean, because literally that's what I've been doing. It's awful. But I still feel... Like, no, Sarah, you just have to do it yourself. This is your project. You just got to do it. But it's scary, you know, because like there's a lot of people that are a lot better at all of this than me, you know, and I'm not I won't even single out my guitar playing. But like there's much better writers than me. There's much better singers than me. But the, the one thing that I try and I fail often at remembering is they are them and I am me and I just have to do this. It's it's another dare to suck moment. You know, like if someone came back in my DMs and was like, yeah, that album you put out was like really awful. Like people on TikTok, honestly, like a few weeks ago, I was doing like a live on TikTok and I was, I was literally, I let people into like my live studio recording session. I was recording the vocals to a song and I had a, I'm not gonna say a bunch, but like three or four people came in and were like, I wonder if she's going to get singing lessons for Christmas. You know, I, I, I wish she would stop singing. Like maybe she should stick to songwriting. Like there's all these things that all these people say and it's like kind of shitty in the moment, but that's what, absolutely. <laughs> that's what releasing music is like though. You're just opening yourself up to like all of it, you know? So it's, it's scary because 
you know that's going to happen. I have to know that that's going to happen. I, I don't agree. And no, to dispel the myth, I did not get singing lessons for Christmas. Santa didn't bring those this year. It's sometimes a bummer. And that's where the fear comes from is just like the rejection, you know, and people like not receiving it and not seeing my heart trying to ignite my own fire for my own perfectionism. People are really good at that, but I don't know. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the, what's the positive side of it? The positive is I truly feel I, well, I truly feel like it's it's easier today than it has been in any years past to put whatever you want. Like, you can start your own podcast and you can do whatever you want with it. You can put it wherever you want. You can have it appear in some places and not in other places. You can keep it and only send it to your mom. Like, you can do, you can do whatever you want. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy to, like, sit here and make my own music or whatever. But YouTube exists. All these tutorials exist. This wealth of knowledge is available like it never has been before. So it just feels like a really good experiment, I guess. <laughs> but also like like it's an accomplishment. Like I made that. And I took the time, as frustrating as it is and as crazy as the process is, like to put myself out there. And I guess, you know, circling back to a, a previous statement that I made, the satisfaction of knowing that maybe it's terrifying right now, but I think my future self would appreciate all the crap that I'm doing right now, you know, whether, mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad or indifferent, just daring to do it in the first place. I think my future self will really appreciate all of this. I hope. I use that trick a lot. Like a future <laughs> me is going to. What like would I day. say a year, a year from now, if I look back at myself struggling through all of this stuff, would I be like, good on you? Or would I have been like, kid, you should have quit. Chances are, I probably would say, no, you're learning a lot. You're doing a lot. You're meeting a lot of cool people making hopefully some difference. And that's, that's cool. What's your greatest accomplishment through music? I guess so far, one of the coolest things I've done and what I would consider my greatest accomplishment. I won a contest about a year and a half ago, I think. Yeah, about a year and a half ago with Goodyear. And it was for independent artists. Like they ask, you know, are you signed? And I was like, no. And then I ask you again in another way. And you're like, no. And they ask you one more time, like, no, like, really, do you have any, you know, backers or labels? And I'm like, no. And I ended up winning the thing by uh, just amazing. It was just such a cool experience. But then, like, as I kept going through the process, something that I that wasn't part of it in the beginning was they offered me uh, a chance to sing the national anthem at the Cotton Bowl last year, which ended up being uh, one of the CFP like semifinal games. So it was the Alabama Clemson game at AT&T Stadium, which seats uh, a couple people. And the whole thing was full and it was really nerve wracking. I remember waking up that morning and I like, I wasn't even nervous. I, I sat and I stared out my hotel window and I just cried because I was so grateful. Like I was just in, I was listening to a gratitude um, recording that I like to listen to when I really feel like, you know, it talks about like all the things you can be grateful for in a day. Like the fact that we have like running water and stuff. And I was sitting at this hotel room about ready to go to AT&T stadium to sing the national anthem in front of 85,000 people. And I was like, I'm so grateful, you know? So I think that's probably, and then I didn't know they were going to put it on TV, which ended up also happening, which was kind of whacked out. But um, I think that's probably 
so far in music, uh, definitely my greatest accomplishment. Just because it, it was also an accomplishment that I didn't fall down, you know? Like, I was just mm-hmm. standing there, and I just did it, and I stayed standing the entire time. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure I watched it, and you were amazing. So, like... Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. How, do, how does that sit with you? Can you... Can you sit and take that in? And I don't know. Sometimes it's so uncomfortable to even say because there's not an ounce of my body that ever wants anything to do with bragging. I'm just not like, that's just not what it's about for me. Like I don't, I don't care to be the best and I don't care for everyone to know that I'm the best. And it's not about me. Like my music journey is about me so far as it's my story, but it's about the impact that I can have through sharing it and about getting vulnerable and brave enough to talk about it so that someone else might live a better life. So it is a little bit strange and a little bit hard to take in. And even when I was singing it, I had picked a spot during my sound check that I was going to stare at and there was nobody in the spot. It was a part of a wall. Like there was, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't trying to look at people. I wasn't, I was just trying to like be in the moment and just be really humble and just really grateful for the opportunity that I had to do something like that for those people and for our country. So I just think that it is a little bit hard for me to take stuff like that in just because it's not about me. Sometimes I think it's tempting to make it about me <laughs> because, because I'm, you know, it's like my, my face is on TV. I have to look a certain way. I've got to dress a certain way. I can't go out in my sweats. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting kind of balancing act sometimes. We're running up on time. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I did? I mean, like, if anyone's curious or intrigued by anything that I say, like, I don't know, social media is where I go to throw myself under the bus. So come follow the goat rodeo. Are you still doing the live and local thing? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Like, that is my baby. Like, that is my passion project. When I moved to Nashville three years ago, I wanted to play my own stuff. And like even like four and five years ago, I want to play my own stuff. And there's so much of Nashville that like you can either go to Broadway where you play covers all day for four hours a day. I could play bars. I play some. I don't live downtown Nashville, but locally where I live, I do play some bars. But nothing feels as purpose giving and purpose fulfilling as the idea that I had five years ago to play in people's living rooms or backyards or barns or whatever. Like, I don't, I literally don't care. I need a plug. I need to not get electrocuted and just like bring your people and your community and just like come hang out with me, you know? Like that's that's my ultimate vision is like, it's never been like a, when I was, that's, you know, I'm at at Stadium in front of all those people and I'm like, I mean, this is great and I would do this if the opportunity kept arising, but like really I, I have a heart for just people in general and like building relationships. So that's what I want to do with my live and local tour is I want to find people that are willing to host me. I will bring everything. You don't have to worry about it. Just invite all your people and we'll have a night of original music and it's going to be fantastic. So you should just do it. Awesome. Well, thanks for Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. I had a blast talking with her about her music career and the why behind her work. 
If Sarah's story inspired you at all, take a look at her social media at Sarah Faith Music on YouTube and at Sarah Faith underscore music on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening.